Welcome to the Shop of Freaks podcast, where each week I highlight the most important happenings in the e-commerce industry. I'm your host, Paul Drexler, and if you like this podcast, then you'll love my written newsletter, which you can subscribe to at shopoffreaks.com. Now, this podcast and my newsletter are both geared towards e-commerce industry professionals, including executives, developers, journalists, investors, and merchants who want to stay on top of the industry as a whole. I usually publish this podcast on Monday afternoons after I send my newsletter this week. I'm a little bit late to the party. Sorry about that. But hey, I bought a house on Monday, so the last two days sort of disappeared. But I'm super excited about this new place that I got in Waynesville, North Carolina. All right, let's dive into this week's top stories. Now, the premise of this newsletter, the premise of this week really in general, is that holiday shopping, as you probably can tell, has already kicked off around the world this year. I mean, consumers are getting a ridiculously early start, especially in comparison to years prior. And I think a lot of the reason is because we've all heard about the supply chain issues and we know that the shelves and the fulfillment centers might just not have the items we're looking for if we wait too long. So consumers are getting an early start to avoid the physical and (laughs) physical, meaning actual people in stores and digital crowds of, um, Too many folks having the same item in their shopping cart at one time and there not being enough items at the other side of that of that small business or that business in general. I want to tell you quickly that I just launched a book myself and 68 travel bloggers and photographers around the world are launching a hardcover coffee table book called Capital Cities. Are journeying around the world through 118 capital cities. So like I said, this is a collaboration between myself and 68 other professional travel bloggers and photographers. And the book, it's a hardcover 258-page full-color book with over 450 color photos that showcase 118 capital cities from every continent in the world, including Antarctica. You didn't think we'd miss Antarctica, did you? Now, I love this book. It's it's honestly a, a, truly a, a work of art, and I'm very excited to bring it to print. However, as much as I would have loved to have this book available for sale right now during the holiday season and on Amazon's warehouses, we ran into the same supply chain issues that small businesses around the world are facing this year. And so in our case, we just decided that rather than overpromise and underdeliver in regards to the delivery date, we would just do a pre-sale, a discounted pre-sale for the holiday season, try to capitalize on sales for the holiday season, and then actually ship the books in April 2022. But what I've been reading about are this, these supply chain issues that small businesses, let's say you're not manufacturing a product, but you're ordering products from other companies that you'd like to sell in your retail or physical retail store or online retail store. What's happening this year is that those wholesalers or those brands are giving priority to, you guessed it, Walmart, Amazon, and the big players. So imagine if you know, you're know you a small business and you're ordering batches of products in, in 12 count or 24 count, then you've got Target ordering 100,000 of those products. If there's an issue about getting inventory out, who do you think they're going to prioritize? And so it's it's a tough year, and I feel sorry for small business owners all around the the world, not just the country, but the world. I'm definitely feeling it myself over here, but we'll do the best we can and we'll try to make the most out of this holiday season, even if the uh, deliveries come a little bit late. Like I said, we we chose to just uh, embrace it and do the pre-sale, send the books in April, but I know a lot of other 
businesses are going to be facing situations where they're selling the products. They have every intention in the world to get those products out to their consumers in time for Christmas. And that may or may not happen. So do your best to be patient with the small businesses that you support this year because we could certainly use your patience. Let's get on to this week's top stories, starting with the statistic of the week. I learned with that uh, via that website, builtwith.com. This is a breakdown of the e-commerce market share as of October 2021. Now, what I'm about to tell you is a breakdown of platforms, like how many people use Shopify versus WooCommerce, etc. This is based on the entire internet. Now, Built With will also show you the breakdown of the top 1 million websites, 10,000 websites, 100,000 websites, which is based on, uh, obviously, they don't have access to the uh, sales data, but this is based on traffic. So I, I, lo- I looked at the the whole internet, which includes all of these small retailers, e-commerce stores that may or may not sell anything, but simply exist. And here's what the breakdown was. Shopify owns 27% of that market. In other words, 27% of online stores that are online right now around the world are using Shopify. WooCommerce, really close behind at 24%. Wix, 12%. Squarespace, 8%. ECWID, 6%. OpenCart, 3%. And then they clump all the other into one category called other for for 20%. Now, I I got an email from Florencia. She said, hey, uh, one question about that stat when I sent the newsletter out, where's Magento? I said, good question. She goes, that's just part of the the 20%. I said, yeah, great question. Now, when I narrow this down to the top 100,000 websites, Magento is up there at 8%. But when you open it to the whole world, which includes, I'll say, the the do-it-yourselfers, because let's be frank and say that probably the top 100,000 websites are not do-it-yourselfers, Magenta disappears, which means leads me to believe that it's a popular choice among big retailers that have developer budgets and teams on staff to, to work and create their custom stores. But once you open it up to the masses, Shopify, WooCommerce, and these other do-it-yourself, build-your-own visual platforms take the lead our first story of the week google is now promoting deals in a new shopping tab now i'm talking about the google shopping results previously when you search for deals or discounts you would see their organic results and then it would show you a few ads well now within the specifically the shopping product results there's a new tab just for deals so when someone uses the word deal, discount, Black Friday, etc. in their search query and clicks over to the Google Shopping tab, they will then see within that a subcategory that'll just show them the deals going on so they don't have to scroll through. Now, the other way to get to that deals tab is just by searching for the product itself, such as sweaters, and then you go to shopping. And you know on the left, they usually show you like the different filters you can put on. One of them was buy on Google was a popular filter they were testing out recently where you don't have to leave the Google interface in order to buy the product. So now there's a new tab called deals, which you can click on and it just filters all the results. Now, before you go thinking that you can take all your products, mark them down by 3% and suddenly cheat your way to the top of search results in this deals category, that is not going to be the case. Google says that your deals need to be quote, substantial 
in order to get featured. But of course, like Google does, they don't tell you exactly what substantial means. But my point is to say that you're not going to be able to take all your SKUs, mark them down insignificant just, just to show up. And the other thing you, of course, can't do is double the price of all your products and then mark them down 50%. To look, oh, look, there's a substantial 50% discount because don't forget, Google has at this point the largest product database in the world. So they know the market price of your product, especially if there's a uh, UPC or GTIN that your product is sold on other people's websites. You know, they're going to know that, hey, this isn't a substantial discount. They're trying to pull one over us. So if you have legitimate deals, make sure uh, to check. Google Shopping, if you're assuming you're on Google Shopping and you submit your product feed at this point, which you very well should be doing at November 2021, check to see if your your deals pop up. And I hope that you have a, a great a great Black Friday and a, a shopping week coming up soon. Next up, Q3 results are in for some of the big e-commerce platforms. I have the results. I'm just going to read off real quick for Shopify, BigCommerce, Square, and Wix, they've had incredible numbers. Um, one milestone that I talked about last week in, in the newsletter was Shopify's cumulative GMV hits $400 billion. So that's ultimately the amount of revenue or, or sales that are processed through their platform. That's not their revenue. Of all the stores that they have selling products, that's how much those stores. Now, of course, Shopify gets a piece of that through their their merchant processing side, their transaction fees, if the merchant uses a different merchant processor, um, their subscription products, a piece of the apps that they're using, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Shopify's total revenue was 1.12 billion, which was 46% higher year over year than, than last year in Q3. Their gross profit also grew proportionally 50% to 608 million compared to 405 million last year putting about an adjusted net income of 102 million or 81 cents per diluted share. Big Commerce, their total revenue also went up relatively the same as Shopify. Shopify was up 46%, Big Commerce was up 49% to 59.3 million dollars. I would have liked to compare the GMV of Big Commerce, but I couldn't find that information handy about uh, about, about what they got going on. I'd like to try to find that. If anyone has any information listening to this, uh, please let me know where I can find the information about GMV because I, I think that's a very interesting metric to compare between platforms, but I could not find that information readily available. Um, gross profit also went up 50% to $46 million with big commerce, but they were operating at an adjusted net loss of $21.6 million. Square, total revenue, point. I'm sorry, 3.8 billion. I was about to say million. That that would be off. Up 27% year over year. And they didn't have as big a growth as the previous two. Gross profit grew 43%. And the adjusted net income of 190 million. Last but not least, I had Wix. They didn't have the official numbers. They're coming out tomorrow, but the revenues were expected to increase by 24% compared to last year to 314 million. They are also expected to operate at a loss though. So earlier, I was talking about at the intro how the shopping season has already kicked off around the world. That's incredibly true, especially in the China in China and in the European market. So here's the thing. Singles Day, which is tomorrow, 11-11. That's why they call it Singles Day, all those 11111s. That is basically the Chinese version of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. That's their their shopping event of the year that comes right before the Christmas season. Well, China has been making a big 
push to get that holiday into Europe, and they're doing a pretty successful job about it. Um, Singles Day has been very successful this year in in Europe, and it hasn't even started yet because companies just like in USA are doing their pre-Black Friday sales over in Europe, and in China they're doing their pre-Singles Day events. And so they've apparently already had a, a crazy amount of sales going on. So not only are Chinese brands trying to infiltrate the European market on this holiday through Alibaba, AliExpress, and, and other Chinese retailers, but on the flip side of the coin, European brands have been making a big push to get into the Chinese market during this time. So for example, in the past years, these mega brands like L'Oreal, Givenchy, Unilever, Procter & Gamble, Pandora, Nestle, They've been running live shopping events in China for several years with a big push to do even more events with Chinese influencers uh, this year. In fact, I've got a good buddy named, named John who just went to an interview the other day. He's been he's an American living in China for almost the past decade. Um, and they are companies are coming after him and saying, would you like to do live shopping events? Basically, we'll put you on our platform you, the American, speak in your perfect English to our American market and try to sell our, our, our products. So he's he's quite a handsome guy too, very very strong. He's like he's like Terminator strong, huge muscles. So he's a he's a good face for these businesses. And it's just funny how how this past year it's just been popping off for him. He's been getting requests all over the place to come in and and be their spokesperson. Next up, story number four. This is an interesting article that I featured this week about, I'll call it the great online-offline department store split experiment. Let me explain what that means. Basically, I'm saying the online-offline split. Department stores are trying to separate their businesses into two distinct businesses. One for their brick-and-mortar stores, and then they're trying to spin off another separate company just for their online now, earlier this year, Saks Fifth Avenue was one of the first major department stores to do this. Saks Fifth Avenue is owned by a, a firm called HBC. So they spun off Saks.com into a separate business, like I said, splitting their online and their offline sales into distinct companies. Kind of. Even though Saks Fifth Avenue's 40 brick-and-mortar retail stores still carry the same name as the online as the online retailer, Saks.com, and even though shoppers can purchase their products online and pick them up in the stores, and even though shoppers can purchase their in both places with Saks credit cards, they're, they're technically different companies now. But for the consumer, they're still the same company. Much like with Amazon and Whole Foods, you can now drop off your Amazon returns to a Whole Foods near you, or you can have packages delivered to, to Whole Foods. I mean, Amazon is moving in the opposite direction and combining their online and offline sales channels, where Saks Fifth Avenue went in the opposite direction, in terms, at least on paper. Like I said, for consumers, they're trying to keep it the same, but on paper, they're separate companies. Now, the reason, the goal of splitting up like that is because HBC wanted to position Saks.com, which does more than $1 billion in annual sales, to be able to raise money to fuel its growth without the brick-and-mortar side of the business holding back its valuation. Typically, investors like to apply a discount to physical retailers, 
And so HPC wanted them to look at Saks.com not as as a brick-and-mortar retailer trying to push their way into online sales. They wanted investors to look at Saks.com as a tech company versus a traditional retailer. Now, again, this was earlier this year, so flash forward six months. And even though insiders have said that the split hasn't been as seamless as the transition they were hoping for, other investors are looking to do the exact same thing with companies like Macy's and Kohl's. Those companies are now being pressured by their investors to follow similar paths to maximize the shareholder value by splitting their online versus their offline on sales. And personally, I I just don't get it. I get it from a, hey, let's split this up so we can not have the, let's say, loss or, or minimal profit from our department stores keeping us back from this online high margin valuation. So I get it from a shareholder value equation, but from an actual logistics point of view, it just doesn't make any sense at all for these big companies to do. And that's what some of these insiders were were reporting about, about Saks. They said ever since dividing the company, there's just been problems between coordinating between the two companies, talking about coordinating inventory, marketing campaigns, and, and so on and so on, even though their intention was to keep it as fluid of a process as possible for their consumers, internally behind the scenes, they were having a lot of trouble these past six months keeping that up. Now, it's only been six months, so maybe they'll figure it out. But like I said, I just don't get it. While the rest of retail is going omni-channel, like for us at companies like Amazon and Warby Parker, they've been busy expanding into brick-and-mortar sales channels during the past few years, while department stores are doing the exact opposite. And I don't get it because department stores are already leaps and bounds ahead of these online companies. They've got the geographic footprint. They've got the stores. They're in a perfect position to be omni-channel, but instead they're taking a step back and, and trying to divide the two companies in half. I think that investors should just reevaluate how they're looking at these companies than being so short-sighted to say, well, we want to blow up our money from the online channel and leave the offline channel behind because it's a symbiotic relationship. What they're not really taking into consideration is how much of the online channel is fueled by the offline channel. You're a customer in the store. You get there. You like a product. They don't have your size. What do you do? You go to the website. You order the, the, the product. And so to say that you know the online is doing so well despite of the offline channel, it just isn't true. It's a symbiotic relationship. I, I work with big brands now running their online stores. Now they don't have their own retail stores, but they are carried in like some one brand I'm thinking of in particular carried in 80 plus retail stores around USA and Canada. So much of their online sales comes from exactly what I just described. Folks are, are in one of their retail partners. They like the, the product. They don't have the size or they want to see if that same product comes in different styles or different colors. So that's how they just directly go to the website and order from the website. And so to think that they're not connected, I think, is just uh, is, is short-sighted. Um, one thing I wanted to to bring up is, do you remember, do you remember Radio Shack? Obviously, you remember Radio Shack. But um, Radio Shack, at one point, advertised that they have a Radio Shack location. Remember, they were small stores. Within, 95%, within five minutes of 95% of America. So Radio Shack, in my opinion was in the perfect position a decade ago 
to really crush it with online sales. They had the geographic footprint. They had the distribution. They could have been, they could have leveraged their stores, their physical locations as a, as a hub to the rest of their online presence. And, and they completely squashed the opportunity. I mean, it was terrible what, what happened to them. And so now I look at it as, like I said, all the other big brands are going omni-channel. Why are these department stores, they're already a decade behind what they should have been doing. Why now are they trying to push themselves two decades behind by splitting off when the rest of the world is is going omni-channel? That's the direction we're headed. <sighs> you tell me, you know. If, if you guys ever want to respond to the uh, stories, like I said, if, if you don't get my newsletter, which you should at shopafreaks.com, my Twitter handle is sh- at shopafreaks, S-H-O-P-I, freaks. And so tweet at me. Let me know your, your thoughts about these these topics, and let's move on to the next story. Next up, number five. TikTok and Big Commerce are partnering on an advertising coupon program. And so Big Commerce is encouraging their merchants to use TikTok's suite of ad solutions through a new collaborative advertising program. And what this means is that qualified merchants in the US, UK, Australia, and Canada that spend $300 on ads through TikTok will receive an additional $1,000 credit from TikTok and Big Commerce to use on on TikTok's platform now, I've I've seen my fair share of free ad spend, and I've got to say this is a really good promotion. This is generous. Google Ads will occasionally send out a hundred bucks to get people started, and TikTok is like, nah, let's let's go big or go home, and they're giving a thousand dollars. It's pretty much quadrupling their three hundred dollar ad spend. You're turning three hundred dollar ad spend into thirteen hundred. That's that's insane. So hey. Don't know if I am personally going to be able to take advantage of that, and I don't have any personal stores on Big Commerce. But if I had a store on Big Commerce, I would certainly give it a try. You've got a lot of a lot of margin for error with that promotion. If you don't get it right with TikTok, um, you can afford to spend four times as much until you do get it right. At least for the first thirteen hundred folks that want to use that can do so via the Big Commerce Channel Manager. In other words, right in the dashboard of their big commerce they get they get access to the uh, tiktok app which they can install the pixel on their store sync their product catalog catalogs and begin their ad campaigns next up story number six for the week indians are burning effigies of jeff bezos if you're not familiar with that word effigy it's basically you know a, a visual depiction oftentimes through the form of a, of a doll of someone really well known and so last week, what, what what happened here, the Indian Sellers Collective, they carried out protests all around the country where they had these Jeff Bezos dolls that they, that they burned because they were basically demanding a boycott of foreign e-commerce companies operating in their country. Right now, some of the biggest marketplaces in India are the same as the well, biggest marketplaces elsewhere, Amazon, Flipkart, which is owned by Walmart. In the past year, India has kind of been in in a battle with these companies because they're trying to make new rules that prevent these large retailers from having more unfair advantage, we'll say, right? Because they do have, just from a technological standpoint, those large marketplaces have an unfair advantage. I'm going to read you this quote that the uh, Indian Sellers Collective said last week. They said, E-commerce players, big e-commerce players, track best-selling products on their platforms. 
They copy their designs to launch private brands with similar features at a competitive price. Then they run a systematic campaign to manipulate search results to divert sales to their, of their best-selling products to their own product lines. And as a result, no seller grows by doing business with these e-commerce platforms. Just to translate that real quick again, basically they're saying Amazon, they, they see the best-selling products of merchants, they copy those best-selling products, then they prioritize their own brands in search results. And because of this, it's a there's no point as a not no point there's short term profit but they're saying it's a it's a huge unfair advantage if you're just going to take all the risk by testing products selling it on Amazon's platform and then only to have Amazon come and say ah that product works let's just steal it obviously that's a problem it's a problem when these marketplaces are operating as both marketplaces and retailers because they have access to all these other retailer data that the rest of us retailers don't have so it's as clear of an uncompetitive advantage as you could you could possibly you could possibly have i had reported last month that several thousand pages of internal amazon documents were examined by Reuters, and those documents reveal that amazon india did exactly this. They ran a systematic campaign of creating knockoffs and manipulating search results. And so now, after after the information was revealed, and again, everyone knew this already. It, it was revealed, it was, I'll say, proven, but everyone has known that Amazon does this for years in, in USA too. India's not standing for it. The um, national president of the All India Mobile Retailers Association said, once again, it's a black Diwali for offline mobile retailer. Chinese brands, especially Xiaomi, I, I say this wrong, Xiaomi, the, the phone brand, Realme, OnePlus, are in collaboration with Amazon and Flipkart, and they are killing the domestic market by deliberately diverting the offline customers to online platforms by supplying large stocks to these big sellers with their exclusive 10% discount. So in other words, you've got all these local retailers in India who are selling these these products, these phones, but these are expensive phones. You got a nine hundred dollar phone, and suddenly, you know, Amazon and 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 Flipkart are offering that same phone for ten percent off. That's ninety dollar discount. Folks are going around the local Amazon retailer, uh, local Indian retailers, and buying online. They also don't think that that's that's right, and um, got to agree with them. Now, the big question is: Are these efforts to boycott these foreign e-commerce companies going to be enough this year? to deter shoppers from supporting those platforms during the holiday season? Or will Indian shoppers be too attracted to the discount prices to stay away? I guess we'll find out. We will know in a few short months as uh, India should have an estimated 67 to $84 billion in sales, in e-commerce sales this year. And so it's up to Indian consumers if, if they value the discount you know, more than they value purchasing from Indian. It's interesting to see. It's basically America, USA, 20 years ago. They're going through the exact same thing that, that we did. And if history repeats itself, Indian consumers are going online to get that deal. You know, we we often, even I started this saying, support your local small businesses, support your favorite creators and your small your favorite small businesses. But as a society, everyone says that, but do we do it? We like having these, these small retail stores in our downtowns but at the end of the day are, are we also 
looking at their prices and shopping on Amazon. It's um, it's sad. It's natural progression, but India is in a place where they can nip this in the bud early on. They can nip this in the bud before it gets to the uh, level that USA has has experienced of, of this dynamic. And so we'll see if they do. Speaking of the future, I bring you the next story. Is e-commerce going Web3 in the next five years? Are you familiar with the expression? The expression. Are you familiar with the name Web3? It's not an expression. It's it's a name. Excuse me. Basically, there's been Web 1.0, Web 2.0, and Web 3.0. And I'll give you a quick breakdown if you're unfamiliar with the differences. Web 1.0 was the first iteration of the web. It lasted approximately from 1991 to 2004, and it consisted mostly of of text and images. We're talking about the very early days, AOL, chat rooms, instant messages, email, forums. If if you're above a certain age, you remember it. Web 2.0 was the era of interactivity and connectivity. That's when social networks, apps on our phones, advertising and e-commerce became part of our daily lives pictures and video really took precedent over just uh, text forums and, and text chat well the next iteration of the web is called web 3.0 and experts say that this is all about decentralization so what we should prepare ourselves for is verifiable trustless self-governing internet at least that's what the goal is so in other words, what that means, that's that's transparency. When things are stored on the blockchain, everybody can see them. Joan Westenberg, she's the CEO of Studio Self. She predicts that NFTs and Web3 transactions are going to become so commonplace in e-commerce in the next five years that they're just part of our daily online shopping. This means that customers could be buying products from a web store through smart contracts over a blockchain, and that every product bought or traded online could have a unique NFT token, which could then easily be used by other products or could be resold across the internet. She predicts that the using cryptocurrencies in e-commerce stores will become just as common as accepting Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal, especially for things like powering a customer loyalty or referral program. It so like right now, you know, when you when you get your let's say your your 10 purchases and you get the or nine purchases, you get the 10th free. That information is stored in a uh, private private database. And more often than not, most companies outsource that using some third party app that that specializes in, in customer referral programs or customer loyalty programs. And so what, what they're describing is that in the future, this could be part of a blockchain. So. I can publicly see how many my my loyalty points. And I know that sounds well it's kind of the same thing for consumers and it's absolutely true, but it opens the door to a lot of things. It opens the door for collaborations and and, and partnerships. Imagine if small businesses got together and they said, "Well, let, let's have a a uh, collaborative loyalty program where you shop at all of our stores and you earn points which can then be redeemed at at all of our our stores it just adds an interesting level of transparency like right now we're already seeing i feel like every week i'm reporting on some story of of some new um integration big commerce or shopify or wix there's always an announcement saying wix now supports xyz crypto platform 
So I think the first iteration of this is just getting these platforms and and stores to start accepting cryptocurrency. But the tough part is no one really wants to spend their cryptocurrency. We're all buying it to invest it. I'm not going to take my my V-Chain. Even if I had the opportunity to spend my V-Chain at a Shopify store, I'm not going to do it. That, you know, 10,000 V-Chain that I just spent today on a product could be worth a ton of money in the future. So it might be a little bit slower adoption than 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 they hope. But that's the first iteration is just getting stores to accept it. But that that's not that's not the end. The the end that they're describing isn't just using cryptocurrency as as a currency on stores, but they're talking about actually using blockchain and nfts as a way to trade trade the products on online essentially i could buy a product an nft could get assigned to it that public nft could then be used by all these headless open apis to to track my purchase track a commission track a, a, a reward track the the shipment of it um, it's it's interesting stuff. Again, everything is behind closed doors right now, and and Web 3.0 will be basically opening those doors up to add a, a new level of transparency to our online shopping. I think a lot is still yet to be determined about this in terms of execution, but I do think that uh, we're in for an interesting decade ahead. Last part of this podcast is this week's seed rounds and acquisitions. I love this section. I really do. I always find it really interesting to see where the money is because where the, where the money goes, that's where the trends are. And so even though sometimes I report on these companies in this section that I've, I've never heard of before by, by venture capitalist forms that I've maybe never heard of before either, but I just think it's really interesting to see where the money is going. And that's why I include this section in the newsletter each week, even though it's um, just a, a quick line item for each one. So here's what I've got for you this week. Ship Hero, a shipping and logistics platform, acquired Golden Egg Solutions, an e-commerce fulfillment company that specializes in drop shipping and white label supplement procurement. The acquisition allows Ship Hero's 50 million I'm sorry, this acquisition follows, not allows, follows Ship Hero's 50 million dollar funding round in June. So they are moving and shaking. Coinbase one of the largest cryptocurrency exchange platforms, acquired Agara, which is an Indian-based AI customer support startup in a deal valued between 40 and 50 million. Coinbase will use its newly acquired technology to automate and improve their customer support experience in India. Social Chat, a social commerce platform, raised 6.2 million in a round led by Race Capital and Gradient Ventures, company is going to use the funding to expand its product offering. Ultra Commerce, which is a Sydney, Australia-based e-commerce platform, acquired Slatwall Commerce, which is a U.S.-based e-commerce platform. This is part of their global expansion plans. They want to integrate this new newly acquired technology to deliver richer integrated capabilities to their platform. So it sounds like that was mostly a uh, uh, techno- technology play. 3dm a 3d SaaS company that helps artists and developers create and distribute 3d and ar experiences raised 2.1 million in a pre-series a they're going to use that funding to accelerate the development of their low code or no code 3d engine udan a b2b e-commerce platform raised 10 million the company is going to use this to expand as they get into wholesale Belfast, which is an Ireland-based e-commerce startup, raised 20 million pounds from Celazar. 
a wait pounds or euros i forgot i think i I wrote that wrong excuse me a logistics provider that helps online companies with orders and deliveries they're going to use the funding to open new warehouses in ireland netherlands u.s mexico and colombia avalara which is a seattle-based provider of tax software acquired 3ce technologies which is a quebec-based company that provides commodity classification codes and verification systems um, they also announced, I, I think this is really fascinating and, and, and great for them, uh, they're going to be powering the duty and import tax features with Shopify's new global commerce hub. A few months ago, I reported that uh, Shopify is launching their, their global hub, which basically lets you, in one integrated dashboard, run different stores, like same company, but running different storefronts in different countries. There's a lot of logistics issues and integration issues involved with that. And so um, Shopify's global commerce hub is still in beta. It's invite only right now. I have applied for some of my stores, but I haven't gotten access to it yet. But supposedly it's going to solve a lot of these uh, integration issues and make the whole process easier for companies that operate. Again, it's, it's kind of like having, like when I say multiple storefronts, it's like we're one company based in USA, but we don't sell on the .com to Canada. We sell on the .ca or in, in Europe, we sell on the .co.uk. That's what this is all about. It's like basically now we have to have multiple storefronts with separate data, syncing, syncing our inventory, our, our promotions, our campaigns, our sales. It's it's a bit of a headache now. It's a lot of a lot of integration and like work done. But um, Shopify hopes to make that easy, and also through their integrations and you know some of the companies that they bought are going to be providing these services such as the tax services or duty services. That's that's what that's all about. Rally Commerce, a headless checkout product that unifies merchant tools, raised $6 million in a round led by Felix Capital, Rainfall Ventures, Long Journey, of Four Ventures, and Commerce Ventures. Um, this is really interesting. I actually want to talk about this on a different day. Rally has an element of cryptocurrency with their, with their platform. Basically, they, they, they use cryptocurrency. They're bringing Web3 into the exchange. Whereas when there are transaction fees, those transaction fees can get brought back into their ecosystem and divided up into merchants. It's kind of like having, you know, this isn't the case technologically speaking, but it's kind of like having all your merchants be miners. And so you're supporting the network that supports you by existing. I really want to learn more about that because I think that's a fascinating model. Uh, Three more for you. I don't know how to say this company's name. V-N-T-A-N-A. Ventana, I guess. Makes sense. It's a content management system that helps e-commerce retailers showcase their products in 3D and AR. They raised $12.5 million in a Series A round. And this um, their, some of their backers included Mark Cuban and former Oculus CEO Brandon Aribe, Flexport, and Anorak Ventures. Pitney Bowes, a logistics e-commerce fulfillment company, acquired Cresco Data. And last but not least, Shopify acquired Donde Search. All these Spanish names. You got Ventana. It makes sense as they're a, they're a, a window showcase to products in 3D. Now the name Ventana makes sense. And shop and Donde Search. Uh, Donde means uh, where in Spanish. That's a consumer-facing app that helps users search and discover apparel items. 
based on visual characteristics instead of text-based search. Visual search is something that basically every major platform wants to get into right now. Pinterest has been trying it for years. I know Google's Google's been trying to do it, but but the <laughs> the future is not just going to be relying on 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 tags. You know, you search green sweater, should we rely on on merchants to have tagged that product green sweater? Probably not. So ideally, if you look for a green sweater, if you like a particular green sweater, in the future, these visual search platforms are going to show you a ton of other green sweaters that you might like just as much. Hey, that's all I got for you this week. Thanks for listening. This is uh, kind of a new podcast. I've only done a few episodes so far. Let me know what you think. If this is something that I should keep going with, I'm definitely going to keep up with the uh, newsletter at shopafreaks.com. And if you like this podcast, tweet at me at shopafreaks and let me know. Let me know if you like it and I'll keep doing it. Just trying to give you what you want. Talk to you all next week.